It's not just people who are professional travelers because that's a really different sensibility and it's a different style. We really like nothing more than we'll be someplace, we'll meet a cool person, and then we'll say, okay, you tell us about this. Welcome to the HGW Podcast. We're your hosts, Zoe Sakutis and Erica Huss, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a conversation. We'll bring you behind-the-scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas in this rapidly evolving world of wellness. Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise and bring you information you can actually use. No shaming, no guilt, just the cold-pressed truth about real ways you can feel better, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And bonus, we even share our often humiliating personal experiences, all in the name of your wellness journey. Clinical studies have shown that writing five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love and share with a friend. Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Hey, Erica. Hi, Zoe. I'm reading a really spectacular book right now. What is it? It's called um, When Breath Becomes Air. Oh. Have you read it? I have it. I have not read it yet. I have it. Oh, why did you make that face? Because it's a lot. It's a, That's intense, that book. Oh, okay. Well, I'm finding it quite comforting. Are you? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. it's asking like the big questions, kind of like, why are we here? What are we doing? Like, what is happiness? How like, are we going to use our time while we're here? How are we going to use our time while, while we're here? And, you know, the biggest sort of question is, you know, whatever that expression is the unexamined life. life yeah, the, uh, is not worth living. Mm. And it's asking the question while a life not lived is like, not worth examining. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of flipping it around. I mean, right. the point is... Yes, where are you going with this? How are we living? How are we, how are we enjoying ourselves? Right. And how does that tie into like our happiness and yes. our wellness? Yes. And I think the two, you know, for the two of us and a lot of other people, what brings tremendous joy and perspective and like takes us out of our everyday sort of monotony because um, dear Lord, we all know, especially once you have kids, oof, shit gets monotonous. <laughs> it's um, Groundhog's Day. It really is. The routine can be sometimes comforting, yeah. but sometimes just like mind-numbingly, like, I would say boring, but it balances in other ways. But I'm just saying like travel mm-hmm. is a really amazing tool to sort of like tap into these moments of happiness and like joy that we don't usually get in our everyday routines. Right. I think anything that breaks the routine automatically allows you to kind of take a step back and see the routine and then maybe sometimes also come back to it and appreciate it in a different way. It's funny. So you are taking the psychology slash self-help slash literary biography approach to this philosophy. Yeah. And I like to take the musical theater approach. (laughs) <laughs> okay, what's your musical theater brush? <laughs> which I don't is mean to get so philosophical. Which is the Cole Porter song from Anything Goes, which I had never really thought about right, in it. like its specific message until we sat down with these ladies. It's called There's No Cure Like Travel. And the first three lines of the song, would you like me to sing it? It's oh, kind please. of a chant. It's a chant. Okay, so it goes. And there's no cure like travel to help you unravel the worries of living today. 
When the poor brain is cracking, there's nothing like packing a suitcase and sailing away. I mean, I mean, those are genius words, and it's true. Like you, the, as soon as you break your routine, yeah, it kind of frees your brain. It allows you to sort of recalibrate, and then oftentimes, you know, you, you're seeing new and different things, and it's so good for your soul, and mm-hmm. it's usually good for your tummy because you're eating delicious things while you're traveling. Well, and you get to see how other people are living. Yes, you know, and it oftentimes is so much simpler and. It's a reality Happier. check. Yes. Yeah. Than than what we're doing here in the old U.S., especially in the the rat wheel wheel of like <laughs> what wheel the what wheel the hamster <laughs> wheel of New York City. It is. It's relentless. The pace is uh, is nonstop. Yeah. And um, and then sometimes you crave the boring and the monotonous and the routine once yeah. you've had you know you kind of like shake up your snow globe the a little spontaneous, bit. Spontaneous. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I so these women are two co-founders of Fathom. They, um, we had a lovely conversation with Pavia and Gerilyn. Uh, they've created a spectacular brand with their travel tips. Yeah, and it's a, it's a resource. Uh, yeah. It's a destination website slash it's also a newsletter. And now they have a book called Travel Anywhere um, Without Being a Tourist. And it's really just about tips for how to travel like a local, essentially. So not really like as an observer and sort of an alien in a in a new country so much is really finding ways, whether it's these great write-ups on the blog, which is like, here are things that you should, you know, don't do, don't say, don't wear, et cetera, to kind of like fly a little bit lower and really make it feel like you actually kind of belong there as yeah. opposed to, you know, sitting back in, in like some sort of theater of travel. And they do strike this wonderful balance of... Um, <laughs> strike this balance of just, you know, it's not like you need to spend a ton of money to have a good experience and you don't have to like just eat street meat the entire time either. So it's a great mix of both. And they're just really funny, insightful, smart women that we got to have a great conversation with. So we think you're going to enjoy this one and stay with us as we meander because we go great places. Oh yeah. So the places will go. Hey partner. Hey partner. You want to talk about our other partners? Wait, you have another partner other than me? There are a lot of partners in this relationship. Listen, if you want to open it up and, you know, invite people into the circle and have multiple partners, then I'm totally down. <laughs> down. Well, whether you are thirsty or hungry or just need to relax, there is actually something for everybody on our partners page, which is at htwpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of brands on there that we love and who are in return showing you some love with up to 25% off when you use the discount codes under our, you guessed it, partners, partners page. page. So we've got products like Cure Hydration, which is a hydration drink mix that is actually more hydrating than an IV drip that and made with real ingredients. Crazy. Yeah. That is totally crazy. And we've got Hungry Root, which is another amazing brand. Healthy, ready-to-eat convenience foods that are delivered straight to your door. We both subscribe and are longtime users and lovers. And speaking of using, we've got Daily Habit, which is a CBD uh, coconut-based powder that you can put into your tea or your smoothie or your coffee or whatever you need to just chill the F out. Mm Mm-hmm which I think we all often need to do. And so again, please go to hwpodcast.com slash partners to check out all of the amazing brands that we love, many more than we just mentioned. And you'll get some amazing discounts along the way. Check it out, guys. 
Hi. So we have Geraldine Gerba and Pavia Rosati, co-founders, founders of Fathom. Fathom. I like to say Rosati. Rosati. <laughs> I mean, you are Italian. I am Italian with a passport to prove it. <laughs> so founders of Fathom, which is a Tra- an indie travel website destination newsletter. What's the what's the all of it? All of those things. All of those things. Yes, we began as a website, but we have a newsletter that is part of our past, present, and future. We can't escape newsletter business, which is where Pavi and I met and right. came from. But we are really a mindset. I think first and foremost, we're trying to help people have incredible experiences all over the world. And if we need to tell you about that through a Pinterest image or on uh, a website platform or in a podcast, we'll do it. Or in a book, which we should mention, you've just recently published a book Yes, called Travel Anywhere Without Being a Tourist. A or tangible a- avoid object. Being a tourist. Travel Anywhere and Avoid Being a Tourist. Yes. Yep. Available in fine bookstores all <laughs> over the English-speaking world. <laughs> and and in German. to Germany. How many, oh, really? Germany's yeah, next? Yeah, no, it is. It's coming awesome. to Germany. They've, uh, no, we're really looking forward to that. I mean, Geraldine's right, though. I mean, it began as a website, but the website is just the most efficient and the fastest way to get the news out about a place that we've been to or a travel story that we have to tell. But you can also tell that story in other ways in a book. We also have um, a concierge service because what we kept hearing from people all the time was, well, it's great. I come to Fathom. I read one article and my trip is done. Can't you just do it for me? Mm. So it's a whole other beast. I mean, it's one thing to be a chef. I think it's another thing to grow the apples. Right. Um, I need to hear more about this. I'm fascinated with this whole area. Concierge. concierge Mm -hmm. Yes, I feel like my husband would be a very good employee. Yes, (laughs) he really would. You know, it's funny. It's uh, one of the things that from the very, very beginning, we always said, no, 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 no. We we don't want to go here. We don't want to go here. And the thing we always say is we look (laughs) at each other and we're like, if my phone rings at four in the morning because someone's luggage is missing, how am I not going to scream you're at the airport. Deal with it, you baby. Wait, your friends are calling you when no, they lose things? But no, like they're no. traditional this know, is, route for a travel agent or a travel So advisor. the oh, travel oh, okay. advisor so, who so, we so. partner with told me this I couldn't believe. He got a phone call from his client. His client was in the restaurant in Venice and didn't like his table. No, 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 no. He no, no, called no. the New York office to say, can you get me a better table? At which point, don't you want to turn around and say, listen, Mr. Sweet Beloved Client, why don't you go over to the concierge or why don't you go over to the host and say, can I have a different table? Like, Where was wh- he from? Just curious. Americans. All spoiled <laughs> Americans. <laughs> so, um, anyway, we're getting off on a tangent. Fathom is a platform for finding and sharing the incredibly interesting places all over the world. And we don't use the word luxury and we don't use the word budget because style and great experiences exist at every price point, right? Like it's the thing I've been saying since we started scheming mm-hmm. this thing. A great experience can be a three Michelin star feast and it can also be a taco truck. Exactly. How many times have you heard me say that line, Gerald? Oh my God, too many to count. Yeah. But, but it's really true, right? And that high-low mix. Well, but that high-low mix yeah. is how people travel. Yeah. And anytime that we say this, everybody's like, oh, right, yeah, that's perfect. That's how I travel. Mm-hmm. And when we launched, the sweetest thing that we would hear from people who didn't know us was, oh my God, finally, a website for me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Well, I think it's true. And I think, I mean, we, Darlene mentioned briefly, you know, the roots of your newsletter foundations, which is that you guys met at Daily Candy. Yes. Which 
we still have to thank you for because Daily uh, yeah. Candy is basically what put Blueprint on the map. So, you know. A thousand percent. <laughs> this is back in like 2008. It so. was October 1st, 2007. 2007. I'm sorry, you're right. 2007. Yes, our, you guys broke our actual computer. Yeah. You broke our website. Oh, that was our favorite I remember call the post. Still. That was it our was favorite called, call to get. It was, yeah. and just like that, it's fall. That was the opening of the post. And then like the phones just blew up and the emails blew up. And all of our flip phones blew up. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, yeah. All my, of our my Motorola flip phones. phone blew up. And we, you know, everybody said it was the old adage, like daily candy will either make you or break you. And thanks. I have such a big smile on my face, which you can't <laughs> see on a podcast. Yeah. This makes me so happy. It was sort of the equivalent of like Oprah's book club, yeah. you know, when you write yeah. a book and then Oprah selects you and they're like, you know, yeah. it, you had that power. Um, in 2007. So that was a huge deal. And it was all pre-social media too. I mean, it's just like a totally well, different time. Yeah. It was the social media of its day, right? Yeah. It, yeah, was it was the immediate way and it was email, which mm-hmm. felt at the time a lot more intimate than mm-hmm. reading an article in a magazine. Um, it was a very conversational, I'd go so far as to say conspirational, conspiratorial tone that we would take with our readers. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're all in here together. We're all friends. We're all sharing this story. And I remember, and the best thing about what we got to do was we got to find and celebrate new talent, right? So we didn't write about Mark Jacobs because Mark Jacobs is amazing, but he doesn't need any press. We would write about the design assistant who was working on a secret project or on a small project when she wasn't toiling under Mark Jacobs Mm -hmm. and help to really announce and launch Mm -hmm. that. And you know, it's not as though we were so avant-garde that there was something intimidating about Daily Candy. I mean, it's juice isn't a hard thing. We were just, and you guys were, we got to say, oh, this juice thing, like these, this is a way of having juice that you know is good for you. That's easy and it's smart and it's balanced. And I was doing DIY juice cleanses before you guys came mm-hmm. along. And I was like, oh, this is so much easier <laughs> than having to schedule my life around going to get juices. And I live on 19th Street in Chelsea right now. But oh I, my gosh, that's where our facility was. So I remember that there were several times that Eric would be like, just come over and get some stuff. And I would get in a taxi from the East Village because there's no way to get from the East Village to Chelsea. And I would come to your office and you would come downstairs and you would give me a little bag of Blueprint Cleanse juices. And I... Anyway. You wept. You wept. <laughs> so, I, I love them. You Listen, paused there for you a minute. Guys- I just wanted to make sure that I was capturing the <laughs> emotion you were feeling. <laughs> We've been big fans of yours for a long time. Just Let's detox. just so much Say, you yeah. just retox for the rest of your life. Uh, now. Yeah, That's exactly. how I feel. Balance out. I'm like, I've done my work. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to get back on the wagon or off. How does that work? Yeah. You want to go back off the wagon. Okay. You just want to be on the ground. I've been dead lying on the ground. <laughs> lying on the ground. <laughs> That's um, right. But the feeling, the mutual admiration is is very powerful because obviously we've been, you know, fans and friends for a very long time. And I think it's interesting to see the through line you said to me not that long ago, probably when we were talking about Fathom and how you were thinking about it is that you're kind of in the business of connecting people with pleasure. Um, and I think the same yeah. what tr- was true of Daily Candy before, you know, Absolutely. before it was Absolutely. travel pleasure. It was, you know, everything that you want to hear from your friend who's like a little savvier than you. And you guys were that friend to millions of readers. The, I, I say that my job is connecting people with pleasure because it's about like, how are you going to choose to spend your free time? So everything I've done in my career, when I ran the entertainment channel at AOL, it was like, which movie should you see this weekend? At Daily Candy, I wrote a lot about restaurants. I would see, I would go to five new restaurants. It's like, this is the one that you have to go to. Mm-hmm. At Fathom now, like Geraldine and I will, you know, parachute into a city and we will in four days do what it would take other people 
two weeks to do and we'll see 90 things to tell you these are the 20 that matter, right? right? I don't know why I'm making this all about numbers, but... No, because it's helpful (laughs) for my brain to basically organize that. Actually, this notion of, I mean, we are scouting, and Gerald and I are very similar. There's There's as similar as we are and as much as we sometimes finish each other's sentences. And... Two weeks ago, we sent each other a text at the exact same time nice. about the exact same topic. <laughs> Love it when that happens. Yeah, it's sort of nice. And also like, really, how long have we been working together? As much as we finish each other's sentences, there's definitely a difference in sensibility and style. Sure. And so that just makes for a nice balance yeah. of tastes and experiences uh, around, yeah. yes, that yeah. we find and share. Yeah. So you were at AOL before Daily Candy? Oh, yeah. I'm a digital dinosaur. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is, I just think dial-up. Yeah. AOL. That's all I hear. You heard that noise? All bing, 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 bing. That's yeah. what it was. No, it was, yeah. I spent four years well, at AOL. that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Sorry. Yeah. It was like perfect pitch. <laughs> and then- We can put that on your LinkedIn profile. Thank you. I'm looking for she all- She can make the AOL noise. The skills <laughs> I can possibly conjure. I was working at uh, Cottages and Gardens, which was a design- Based magazine, cottages, really meaning mansions in the East Coast or yes. of Long Island, yeah. um, yeah. out there. So I was I was out there working on it was really cool show houses and interior design things like that. Mm. Always really like design. Before that, I was working for the Italian Trade Commission, and I always also had a side gig in. I guess you could call it VIP hospitality, but it was more like being a door girl at clubs and things like that. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Bottle service. Yeah. So that was the thing. So I love nightlife. I love design. That's what I really like covering at Daily Candy Mm -hmm. as well, fashion. And then, you know, when it comes to Fathom, we can, the nice thing is that we can combine all of these things Mm -hmm. under one roof. So we love talking about hotel design. We love talking about great food that we can find, Um, kind of obsess over amenities and small details of Mm -hmm. places and things that we see and sites, whether they're old or new. So that's really neat. And the great thing about Fathom as well is it's very anecdotal. So we write about things from the perspective of you, the planner, being able to come in and actually use it as research for your trip. But also we can just go off on a tangent on one small detail of the mm-hmm. trip and that could be a whole story. And that's just about immersing in your love of travel or inspiring you to maybe think about going to a place you've never gone before. So what was your, what was your dream job as a child? I want. I really wanted to be before I really knew what the word meant. I, I thought I wanted to be a philanthropist when I grew up, oh. not realizing all the things you have to do before you can become a philanthropist. But that was the <laughs> you end just goal. like saying like the word, make the money to give it I was away. Just like I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. just I want to just give just away all the good money stuff. For, forever. I think that oh, that's sounds, that's nice. That's coming from like a real place of giving and generosity. I think. I, right? like, I don't know how you do it, but that's what I would like to do. Yeah, I'd be like, I'll take care of it. I would have these. You know, we would drive through the toll booth, and I always wanted to be the guy who like got the guy by. Oh yeah, you know, all our parents moved. would be like, "I got you." Pay it forward. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Pavia? Um, I wanted to be a big fashion editor in, at a New York City magazine. Okay. Wow. I so know. You kind of right. Like live the dream. I guess so you guys are. Um, I thought I was going to end up a lawyer, but because that's just what I thought I was going to end up as. But um, you know, under the influence of too many trashy Judith Krantz novels. Um, 
at read at the age of 10, I, I was like, oh no, it'd be really glamorous to be a magazine editor in New York City. And I used to fantasize that I'd have a big office in the Pan Am building. I don't oh, know why. The it's Pan just Am. Oh, super specific, glamorous. Just, you know Pan what? Am. The more super specific glam. your vision board, the this better. This is absolutely so what it was. And so then in 10th grade, for my architecture class, we had to design a- but You had an architecture class in 10th yeah. grade? It was really great. Drafting and everything. I've never even heard of an architecture super, class in high school. It was, my school had a four-year architecture program. Wait, where did you grow up? very developed. Where did I you go to high school? Up, um, in the suburbs of Trenton, New Jersey. Whoa, that's like where all my Greeks live. Mercerville. Are you joking? Uh-uh. Seriously? Yeah. No, that's where I'm from. Okay. What? what? This is crazy. That's, that's not like where, where the high school is. So okay. we're going to talk where your Greeks go to high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Greek Orthodox Festival is in two weekends in Trenton. I will not be going this year. Yeah. But, um, but I'm sorry. You've, I, you've been to St. George the Greek I on Plockner Road. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This huh. is crazy. Okay. That's so yeah. funny. But isn't that, that's also where the pizza place that you love is, right? Oh, that we were, yeah. I was wondering why I remember that. No, but I remember when we went to your book, and you're being, and they asked you about the pizza oh, yeah. place, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna have to check this out now because I'm like very familiar with this neck of the woods." And for somebody who has eaten food around the world and who is Italian and had to Italian say pizza, pizza, to say Trenton. that their favorite pizza is in Trenton is a big deal. Or as my mom would always correct me, Trenton, Zoe, Trenton, Not in Trenton. Yeah, she would Trenton. get so pissed off. <laughs> my mother would. Um, so my Italian mother would. Uh, go to New York for the day and there'd always be a phone call. Tell your father, I miss the train. I'm in <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> and she would come home. She said, well, you know, they announced next stop, Chen. I don't live in Chen. I live in Trenton. Trenton. That's why I miss the train. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. endlessly. And at a certain point, it'd be so like, funny. my mom was not a dipshit at all. Like right. a really bright lady, but she would hear, Chen. Trenton. I guess. Trenton. That's not yeah. so much better. I live in Trenton. Trenton and Philadelphia are very close for those of you who do not know. So yeah, um, that's so funny. Okay, we're going to talk about Trenton. We have to offline about Trenton pizza. We'll get into the Trenton pizza. Kind of like oh, sorry. The it's reason for talking about architecture, I yeah. had to design the my dream living room. And the dream living room, you had to like draw the profile of who the person was. And uh -huh. she was essentially like a 27-year-old editor. And she lived in this like glamorous tall penthouse and had crazy beautiful views. And I had all this like marble furniture and really like beautiful <laughs> stuff. Whatever. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. So and that then you made it happen. The, I guess in some <clears throat> way I did make it happen. Although again, even though I thought that that's what I was going to be, I was really yeah. when I didn't become a lawyer, I was like, "Oh god, now what?" So I better right. just go become that fancy editor. I got an internship at a fashion magazine. Okay. And I always kind of joke that I've been sort of riding the wave ever since. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I think so I I sometimes get focused and obsessed with this and concerned with myself that I am reacting to my life as opposed to directing it, right? Mm -hmm. And so you react to your life or you direct it to the extent of like, okay, well, do I have a path? Like, do I know where, I'm, where I want to be in five years? I don't. I don't have a five-year plan. I don't have a 10-year plan. I don't have a 20-year plan. Currently, right now, you do not? No, do not. And okay. I never, ever have, right? Okay. In my work, in my career, in anything. So even though I got an internship at a fashion magazine, there was no plan that one day I'll end up working in journalism. There was no plan that my career will become digital. It was like, oh, well, that seems cool. I'll go and do that. And so there are times in my life where I'm like, am I doing what I should be doing? Where I'm like, okay, did I just react to what came up or did I direct the path? 
Or do you just like, are you mastered living in the moment right. following your play? Yes. I mean, I feel like it's the ethos of Fathom, which is like, you're open to exploration. Listen, and- there's a reason the four of us are all friendly and fans of each other because we like this way yes. of being and living. But there are some people who have, was it the Stacey Abrams yeah, interview that amazing. I was reading where she was basically like, no, I, re- I, I had a spreadsheet and here's what I was going to be doing. And that girl might end up president one day. Yeah. I'm not going to end up president, even though I'd love to be a senator. And I'll just put that out there. <laughs> but, You've got but, my vote. but it's an interesting way of like, how do I think about my life? Yeah. Am I living in the moment or am I making the moment happen? If that's what the opposite of living in the moment is. I have to admit that I do like playing the five-year plan often. I'm just going to go on and say, no, listen, I'm not and as there's in the moment There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like having a goal, knowing where you're going is a really smart thing to do because it forces you to sort of stop and assess, am I doing what I need to do to get where I'm going? Because otherwise you can be like, oh, well, God, it's been a lot. It's been many years of hanging out with my friends and going to cool restaurants and taking cool trips. Right. Right. But you're also speaking in those examples very specifically about passion. And I think nobody is going to argue with the things that, you know, make you excited and make you the insight passion. Right. That is where you should go, especially if you're able to actually parlay it into something that allows you to make a living. I mean, that to me is, it's a win. Yeah. And And I think it's, yeah, right. So if you don't make it so goal oriented, like I need to be doing X, Y, and Z, this, this, and this, and checking all these boxes. And then, you know, by five years and you make it more about like, how do I want to feel right. in five years or what do I want my day to feel like in five right, years? Right. How, do I, like, how do I want to spend my time like just in a day yeah. in five, you know, five years from now? Right. And then you can kind of just back into it. Right. Yeah. Or, exactly. You can start every day with like, how do I want to feel today, tonight when my day is finished? Um, slightly buzzed. And underpaid. And <laughs> what? Overworked and underpaid. And slightly Perfect. buzzed. Okay. And, and just... And um, so how did you guys decide to partner up? And I mean, you met at Daily Candy, you worked together for years and then Fathom kind of became the next journey for you both. How yeah. how was that? How did the partnership kind it, of come it together? It bubbled and up, of course, while we were at Daily Candy. There, Pavia was running the travel edition of Daily Candy at the time. And it was really popular. And there wasn't really anyone speaking to the demographic of us, you know, a lot of women who have disposable income who want to spend it in this way that's not just about consuming clothes or alcohol or don't, don't gesture towards me. <laughs> I see, I see where you're placing your hand to my right, alcohol. <laughs> but we we really enjoyed travel. We really liked food, and there was a little bit of a conversation about which of those things would take the focus for a while. And Pavia had come to me with the idea of putting together a website, which seemed really novel at the time. There wasn't, believe it or not, this was around 2009 or so. There weren't really, blogging was happening, but it was happening in a very intimate, personal Cringy kind yeah, of way. Now it's, come, diary now kind it's of come back, but but I think it like it needs. We need to remind people yeah, that I as mean, recent as two thousand eight, two thousand nine, like it was very different. Oh, like this stuff, yeah, yeah. Really. So you say a novel idea. I mean, it, yeah, so it seemed like oh, that's kind of refreshing. Just a maybe personal anecdote, but it doesn't feel too personal. Right. Like it can apply to everyone. There's still an editorial overtone to it. But there's actual tangible yeah. takeaways, here. right? Yeah. And that we we're always big, as Pavi was saying, like we're big fans of service journalism. We like to share things with people so that they can have a great time doing it. I mean, I feel like I spend a, a lot of my vacations and much to my husband's chagrin, it's like a lot of our vacations 
vacations, I feel like are test runs for other people's vacations. Yeah. Like we will go and we'll be like, that was almost a great time. <laughs> we did way too many things here and we didn't get to take a nap here. And I, I think that was the approach with Fathom. It had the spirit of daily candy of discovery, but we wanted to take it slower and we wanted to give people a real service that they could use anywhere they were going and be able to use it off the cuff. So we love travel magazines, but what they weren't delivering was real-time information for people when they were stuck in the middle of Rome, like, what should I do now? Or it's August, the restaurants are closed, what's another alternative? So we wanted to absolutely deliver on that as well. And really from the beginning, the things that were sketched out have really come true. I mean, there hasn't been too much deviation from the original idea of Fathom, which is a bit remarkable, I think. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it has aged really well in that way too, because being a small company, we could kind of plan it once, execute it once, design it once, and we really had to run on those fumes. And I feel like it's worked out you know, in that way. People, turns out people really want an authentic experience where they feel like they're doing something that not everyone else is doing that doesn't feel cookie cutter, where they can connect with locals. And these are all the buzzwords that yeah. we hear now, right. 10 years later, at any travel event that we go to, everyone's like, make it authentic, make it wellness induced. And yeah, we're like, it- let's show you the notebooks from 2009. This is exactly what we set out to do. Not yeah. in any sort of a uh, it wasn't because we focus grouped this. It wasn't to get back to what we were saying earlier about sort of riding a wave. Fathom is an incredibly personal mm-hmm. project, right? So at this time in 2009, there were countless websites out there, but they really fell into two categories. Like Gerilyn said, there was the Jimmy Blogger out in the world, and here's my great experience. But uh, and so that was on the one end. On the other end, you had things like Hotels.com right. and these comprehensive, tell you everything in the world, right? And everything is great, but everything is homework, right? And so what wasn't available and what we set out to make was something that was really trustworthy, something that didn't cover everything, but just covered things that were really great. And to Gerilyn's point about when you're traveling, you're sort of doing a test run for the trip. The experience that I would often think about is I would go on a trip and I would research like 90 websites and gather reams and reams of information so that by the end of the trip, I knew, oh, these are the nuggets of stuff that I need. Right. So we thought with Fathom, let's just deliver the nuggets. Let's not tell you everything. Right. And so that's what we really set out to do, to be super focused with the sensibility of, we want to pay attention to places that are indie. We want to pay attention to places that are boutique because they're just more exciting. Like we've never been excited about really big brands, right? right? And so I don't think that, I mean, so if we're not excited about staying in a hotel that is an outpost of another hotel by the same name in in, in 300 cities all over the world, I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know why anybody would travel to Lebanon and go shopping at Prada. Right. Prada's wonderful, but if I'm going to Lebanon, I want to buy something that feels... Yeah. Unique to the place. I've never understood that. And why do people go to McDonald's in every city in the world? Correct. And so this is very much how we have thought about the things we want to tell people about and the things we want to share. And the more personal you make something, the more universal it becomes because your very personal vision, everybody, well, a lot of people can 
relate to that. Mm-hmm. I always feel like if you try to make something for everybody, you've made something for absolutely nobody. Right. It feels mm-hmm. much more authentic. Exactly. Yeah, that applies to so many things. But so tr- treating, I mean, this is, this is a question I think that all of us would be, would be, you know, tasked to answer where you guys, where you're talking about, um, you know, every trip is kind of like research. How do you reconcile being in a business where, as you were saying earlier too, it's all about connecting people with pleasure. But when you're in a business that is innately focused on something that brings you so much pleasure, does it detract from it at all? Like, you know, it's the same as like, when you're in the food business, can you truly appreciate food? When you're in show business, can you just go see a show? Uh, Well, so I joke, I don't know what it's like to travel without a notebook. But I used to travel with notebooks even before I was at Fathom. I mean, I need I needed to look up the name of a restaurant and I found from my notebook in 1995 the name of the tiny little restaurant that I ate at in Venice because, I mean, I ended up doing this because this is the stuff that I love, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So what does change is the pace and the way in which we travel, right? So there are, there are one or two places that I go every year where I'm like, it's chill. I'm here and I'm on holiday. But a lot of other places, if I'm traveling, I'm like, okay, well, I have an extra half hour. Uh, I should probably just go see four more things. So I travel a lot with my husband and my best friend, Julie. And we sometimes joke that we have like three different paces, stages, or rather Mm -hmm. um, rhythms. That's the word for it. So Ben, my husband at four o'clock, will be like, peace out. I'm going to go sit, have a long cup of coffee, or I'm going to go have a nap. Julie at six o'clock will be like, okay, I'm done now. And Pavia, and she's like, okay, I'll catch up with you guys later at dinner. And Pavia is like, energizer buddy, go, go, go. 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 Shows up at dinner at eight o'clock. And I'm like, really excited about all the things that I've done. So that's my natural rhythm anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say kind of operate the same way, but the way that I change traveling is I would say I travel in a much more rustic and off the cuff way when I'm on holiday. I I still look things up, but I don't make any commitments at all. Mm -hmm. And I like to see where the day takes me. And that has been really interesting that that would be something that used to stress me out more. And now it's really what I look forward to Mm. when I'm traveling just as a holiday, as a vacation. Mm. And I really won't use the phone. I really won't. I'll kind of like turn it all off and just do that thing. And that thing is usually out in nature, Mm -hmm. which is for work and even b- before Fathom, when we were getting Fathom together, I really felt like I needed to go to all of these cities and like really walk the cities and get to know all these urban environments. And I guess the the antidote to that is like just going out into the woods, yeah. mm-hmm. which I want to do a lot more. Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny. I, I always find that I like to sort of, I, I don't like to see a million different things. I don't like to try and do too much. I would rather go deep in one like mm-hmm. neighborhood and get really sort of like intimate with the locals yeah. or however, you know, and then make it another trip if I want to go somewhere else. So, yeah, but that's changed a bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Different stages in life yeah, too and who you're traveling with, I think it depends. Yeah, that's true too. Because if Brian's there... My Brian. Yeah. Yeah. We have to, um, we got to do a lot more. He likes to do 30 things over the course of one hour. Street meat. Yeah. But you you mentioned that 10 years ago and even today, people were asking a lot about, um, you know, how how to get this sort of authentic experience. Have you seen a shift in requests around wellness and how people are trying to incorporate maybe health or wellness into their routine now, into their travel now in a way that they haven't been. I mean, we even see brands. So Westin, for instance, the hotel brand has just entirely realigned itself as a wellness experience. So, um, and that's everything from 
You can borrow running shoes from us if you forgot your running shoes. That sounds kind of gross. Yeah, well. well. (laughs) Uh, So, yes, I think so. The... um, I think, however, insofar as people are just more aware about wellness throughout their life, it's not like I need to turn to travel to start taking care of myself. It's like I will continue to take care of myself whether I am at home or whether I'm traveling and I will not eat bad food on a plane and I do want there to be healthy options at the airport. So I think it's more that consumer demanding wellness options everywhere in their life Right. Has ramifications within the the travel space. Yeah. But I remember uh, a recent statistic um, at a travel show I was at was saying that what it, um, tr- wellness is like a $4 trillion industry or something like that. And for the travel industry, the wellness sector is growing at twice the pace mm-hmm. of regular travel mm-hmm. and is approaching the $1 trillion mark. Hmm. As well, so it's big, big it's business. It's enormous, and yeah, and I really see it as well. One, we cover it a lot more. We're finding that we're covering it a lot more. We cover it quite a bit in the book, but there are kind of a few different ways that I'm seeing it infiltrate into the travel space. One is physical fitness, like a Peloton bike mm-hmm. now is replacing the fancy gym. So there used to be fancy gyms was like the amenity or mm-hmm. a membership if you stay at that hotel to some fancy gym in the area. Then it was having something specific that's related to a, a well-known brand like SoulCycle or mm-hmm. something like that. And now I feel like there's more of a push to like spiritual wellness mm-hmm. and mental wellness where people are getting pretty woo-woo. Like there will be shamans or there will be Reiki instructors or it's really... Like on demand in the hotel. Yeah, and that's really interesting. Or people will want to do a retreat that encompasses those things. So it's not just yoga. It's like yoga and a shamanistic cleansing. Especially if the shaman is part of the local culture, right? right? So I was recently at the Rosewood Mayakoba, which is this super fancy, unbelievable Mm -hmm. hotel. Everybody's nodding along. They have um, a shamanistic ritual Mm -hmm. and their beautiful garden, which just looks like a beautiful garden, the spa director said, no, no, it's the ordinance like north, south, east, west, and it's earth, fire, air, water. And these are what all the natural elements correspond to. They all have a shamanistic meaning. And we do these dream journeys and you're like, oh, I just thought this was a mellow place to hang out for 10 minutes. <laughs> and it was, yeah. but it turns out it's a mellow place to hang out because they're, if you understand these things on a deeper level, which... The rosewood makes it very easy. Like, so the rosewood makes it easy for you to just go and have a killer massage right. and a facial. And have no and idea what's happening done, to your right? chakras. Yeah, Correct. But what they are also happy to do is work with a local shaman because there are plenty of local shamans on the Yucatan mm-hmm. and, um, and they're incorporating that and using that as part of their wellness offerings. Right. Yeah. Which I think this is what makes it interesting is that the concept of wellness travel, you know, quote unquote, is... Is not new, and I think it's, but I think it's still um, a bit more segmented. In that, you know, I love to travel, and I'm a wellness person. But you're not going to find me like signing up for, you know, a week long wellness retreat, mm-hmm. regardless of the most beautiful destination it's in. That's just that's not how I live. It's it's I don't want it to be immersive, and I'm not knocking it and taking it away from the people who do because it's a huge business, and there are plenty of companies that are doing really incredible jobs at putting these packages together. For me, it's so much more about what you're just describing, which is I want to go someplace and 
kind of feel like I'm in my sort of natural, like daily rhythm and routine in a completely new place. So I can still do my workout in the morning and, you know, in the afternoon after I have like a delicious and decadent lunch that's got some wine and I wouldn't be doing that at home on a Tuesday, I can then go to this like garden and have, you know, this shamanic experience, but not feel like I'm completely and totally just detached from my normal like comfort zone or Mm. my normal routine. It's just kind of enhanced as opposed to unplugging completely and just, because that's not for everybody, honestly. And I think that that's, that sort of other camp is a nice way for people who are not like wellness seekers or wellness minded to feel like they can still have some kind of like touch on it and have it as a tool and an experience without having to sign up to go to like, you know, the equivalent of Canyon Ranch or whatever. Because right. I think that feels intimidating to people. I the Malibu. Yeah. yeah. One, one the of, ranch at Malibu. Oh, that's nice. One <laughs> of the, I'm like, it is nice. One of the, um, but one of my favorite ways to kind of look into wellness is when I'm traveling is looking at whatever is local to that place. For example, if I was going to, I've been planning a trip to Southern India for like the last 15 years thinking. Me me too. Can we plan it together? This is when I will hug some elephants and which I feel like definitely falls into the wellness camp for like spiritual well-being. And also that would be the place where I tried like getting into Ayurveda, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think also for a lot of emerging destinations, they are playing up or not playing playing up from a marketing perspective, but really showcasing the things that they have been doing for thousands of years Mm -hmm. that might appeal to people who are suddenly interested in well-being in all of these different ways. So maybe Ayurveda is something that I know in Sri Lanka, that's like an emerging destination. And also that's something that is really important to them. So they're showcasing it. It's part of their culture, but also it's something that tourists might be interested Mm in trying out in a authentic way mm-hmm. or close to authentic way. Building on what Sherilyn was saying, um, one of the things that we talked about in our book called Travel Anywhere <laughs> and Avoid Being a Tourist. Um, you know, one, one of the things Available we talk about- Everywhere in the um, One of the things that we talk about in the wellness chapter is the whole concept of forest bathing. Mm-hmm. Forest bathing, I promise you, was not a term that anybody used in a popular way even three or four years ago, right? No. And so, but forest bathing, so this idea of you just kind of go out into nature. Let me tell you who just told me to do that. Olivier Bros, your doctor. Oh. And guess what I did this weekend? Did you forest bathe? I did. You did? I did. Upstate. So did right. some earthing. So what's interesting about this, so for listeners who don't know this, forest bathing, it's just the idea of like going out into the woods and going on a walk and maybe taking off your shoes and really connecting with nature. And so it's big in Japan, right? Because big in Japan, all cool things are big in Japan. But including my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only, probably the only country they're big. (laughs) What's interesting about this is we have an awareness of wellness now that we might not have had. And so somebody might not have thought, oh, I'm going to go walking through a redwood forest because I'm in Sonoma and I'm going to Point Reyes Peninsula on the coast and I'm going to stop on the way, right? Which is what I did because I was driving and I was like, I want to go to this park. And, but now we have a sense of, I'm going to be I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to what I'm doing and I'm not just going to walk through here and maybe I will take off my shoes and connect with something. And so I think the other thing that you're seeing is something that might not, that that may have just been called a walk in the woods. Right. And now it's considered actually, no, let me be mindful about what I'm doing and actually make this more of a wellness Mm -hmm. experience. Well, I think we're getting to that stage now where people are wanting to know more, right? So we're understanding the actual benefits of 
you know, and the power of having your bare feet right. on the Something ground. Something as simple, simple as that. Energetically yeah. Yeah. and what it does for your nervous system and everything else. It's not just going for, you know, so, I mean, I, I think there's an openness and a willingness and a wanting now yes. yeah. to understand more. I, that, that was, it's so funny because I was definitely more mindful for the first time, it's not just because Olivia Bruce told me, but I, <laughs> but I was, you know, we were upstate with some friends and some family and, you know, there were a bunch of kids there and it was very rainy this weekend and the grass is all wet and it was kind of muddy and, you know, all the kids wanted to just immediately run out in the backyard and, you know, all the parents were like, put on your shoes, put on your shoes. This sort of like frantic, you know, reflex that you have. And I, including myself, I was like, oh, I gotta put on. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, no, no. Zoe, barefoot. You have to go outside barefoot and don't put shoes on your children either because like these city kids need to like right. get their feet they dirty. Feel the earth. <laughs> I mean, my God, my daughter's too. And like, they, I swear they're looking at the grass like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, it was really like a moment for me. Yeah. And I felt, and you do feel, I mean, literally more grounded and energetically like it, there's like a shift that happens. So, yeah. I think another reason, and I feel like you can't talk about wellness and travel without talking about um, digital addictions. Mm-hmm. Because one of the other things that we talk about a lot that I think about a lot is unplugging when you're traveling. And Gerilyn mentioned earlier that she very much tries not to be on her phone when she's traveling. And I feel the same way. Like I am not somebody who's overly teched out my trip. I do not make extensive Google spreadsheets before I go somewhere. I may run like an energe- like an energizer bunny, but I'm following my nose. Mm-hmm. Those are two cartoon metaphors there. <laughs> Both rabbits, I think. Um, One was like tricks or something. Tricks. I just picture you with whiskers um, all of a sudden. I don't know what's... To- <laughs> you can't say that to an Italian girl. <laughs> Um, But you, uh, but this idea of we feel so tethered and so enslaved to these machines that I think that's another reason why something as simple as, let me just walk in the woods, Mm -hmm. takes on an extra nice meeting because you're not barraged by Mm -hmm. billboards and messaging and shiny beepy things when you're in the woods. It's really, you don't get that sense of calm when you walk through a city. You- But you can when you are just really in nature or sitting by babbling brook or for me, you know, my feet in the sand. Yeah, like, by the oh, ocean. Heaven. Just having some. Yeah. But how yeah. do you deal with, okay, so I, I get that. And I mean, just for me in Brooklyn to go outside uh, to take my dog for a walk. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do something outrageous right now. I'm, I'm not, not going to bring my, my phone. phone. No, I'm yeah. not going to bring it with me yeah. on my like 10 minute walk I'm going to take. It's mm. pathetic. It's yeah. pathetic. I had to make I, a New Year's resolution. I will not walk and look at my phone at the same time. I know, what? I know, I know yeah. me too. It's disgu- <laughs> I'm disgusted about myself right now, really, truly. But my my question is like, with all the travel and the amazing um, maps and the GPS and everything else that, you know, is just so easy and makes travel so mm-hmm. much easier. I mean, how do you get around it, right? So Listen, if you're wandering you know around a city, it's great to wander. I but, think everyone should get lost. Right, yeah. So so the thing is that those tools are there for you when you need them. You don't just pick up the dictionary to read it for fun. You pick up the dictionary if you come across a word that you don't know. So if you find yourself and you're like, wait, which way am I going to see that Palazzo Altems in Northern Rome? I'm a little bit lost here. Then you look. But that's really different from... I'm using technology because I need something right now and I actually need it. It's not like, what was Michelangelo's last name? You don't have to go to Google for that. You don't have to go to Google right now for any of these things, right? right? Like we think just because it's there, let me look. No, how much nicer to say, I don't know. I really think if people 
nothing depresses me more than being in a really beautiful place and everybody else around you is on their phone. It makes me want to cry. They're Instagramming and they're all that stuff. It's like, I don't want, listen, and I share my stuff also. Sure. But more often than not, I share it when I'm back at the hotel and I have five free minutes. I'm not on my phone while I'm at the table. I'm with the people who I'm with at the table. Yes, exactly. I know. Do that. It's like, you know. I saw this great. Is that in your parts? Like no, mas- I agree. Treat it I like just, masturbation. I just came back from <laughs> ten days in Colombia, actually using many of your city guides for Medellin and Cartagena, and oh. same thing. It was it was very freeing to just kind of put the phone down, and I mean, even Brian Kurtz, my husband, who is you know he is the planner and he is the human compass. Both of us were able to just like walk around. He had some printouts, which yeah. I'm fine with the printouts, having like that tactile <laughs> experience, great. just to make sure that like, yeah. you know, we did get to the best ceviceria or whatever, but like do the Instagramming at the end of the day. It doesn't have to happen right now. It doesn't have to happen. Like, don't oh, check your email when no, you're having your ceviche email, in Cartagena. Don't do it. Nothing yeah. has happened that it's going to be that important. Nothing is, yeah. No, and especially considering how everything is modified on Instagram. I mean, I'm almost writing, writing it off. I saw this... One post that someone did, it was a picture of a girl in the water on the beach. And then the second picture was, you see her boyfriend taking the picture of her. And then the third picture is, you see 10 feet away, another girl being (laughs) photographed by her boyfriend and 10 feet beyond that, the same thing again. And you're thinking... Pathetic. This is insane. So pathetic. And they've this all posted totally the same photo. Oh, no, and about it's pathetic. really special. And then you use it to research your trip and you think this beach is going to be empty. Yeah. But it's filled with people photographing their girlfriends. Instagram. I mean, and yeah, it's never the girl photographing the guy. But it's, um, <laughs> no, it's funny. It's always a girl and yeah. she's wearing a hat and she's standing in front of a building and she's got her back to you and she's got one hand on top of her hat and the other hand jauntily placed out to her side. <laughs> yeah. And she's wearing something floaty and flippy and you just want to go over and um, stab her yourself in the eye. No, punch her. <laughs> oh, her take was, stop her in the that eye. Was, her that was violent. But just be like, do you even know what you're looking at? Right. Take yeah, another one. No. Take do another you one. know, do you know which temple you're standing in front right. of right now? Or you just? Matter. I think it's just really taking away overall, you know, it's taking away from the joy of just being at a place, right? Yes. You're just so concerned with capturing it. It's even even before social media, which is like the people who are constantly taking Take pictures. thousands of photos I, that you're never going to look at again and definitely no. don't show them to other people because no one else cares about your trip as much as you do. No, I mean, that's really- nobody cares about that picture of that statue. Do but- you know I have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of travel photos and I love them because it's like I can relive my entire trip to Southern Australia yeah, or but that's for to you. wherever- Oh yeah, I don't no like, I'm going to make you look at this right. stuff. But I'm really glad that I have these visual yeah. diaries of these things that I'm doing. I just I just wrote about this unbelievable spa that I went to in Palm Beach. And it was really nice because I was like, oh, I remember breakfast was really great. What was so good about that? I actually took some pictures of the buffet. So I know it was a shakshuka <laughs> and there was black quinoa. And I don't, you know, I didn't remember those details, but it was kind of nice to have the that's visual. That's like, because in the back of your head, you're always thinking maybe this will make a good story. For sure. And it was useful to be able to say what was so delicious about the breakfast buffet at right. Palm Beach. But yeah, no, I'm so I'm guilty of these pictures, but I don't know. The phone makes it really just... Yeah, take a quick picture. Well, and it takes also away, I mean, it takes away from the place, like you were saying, Zoe, from wherever you are, from appreciating it. But even zooming out a bit more, it takes away from, I mean, it's like that 
quote that Cole Porter song that I sent you this morning. Like, there's no cure like travel. It's really like whatever you're doing, it doesn't even matter the place you're in. It has to do with just changing up your routine and seeing a different part of the world or the city or even like the street. Like you yeah. can, you know, you can go explore and be a tourist in your own city. I was on a street the other day in Tribeca. I was like, I've literally never been on this street before. Right. And that's cool. Debrosis. <laughs> no, it was not Debrosis. <laughs> no, it was actually close. But like that around is the, the street that no one's ever been that's on. True, in no one has, no, has, knows how to pronounce it. That's right. right. They just avoid it at all costs. You have to say it out loud. Yeah. yeah. So shall we, shall we do it? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. We're going to do Uh-oh. something that you may or may not like um, because you're such pros at this. We're going to turn the tables. Yes. We're going to do a little rapid fire. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot of like violent references coming from me. I'm like, stab them, <laughs> shoot them, punch them. Rapid <laughs> fire. Um, no, we're going to do a little rapid fire question here uh, that I think you guys sometimes do. Some of this might sound familiar. We could just alternate back and forth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh? Gerilyn's going to start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Erica, would you like to take the first question? Sure, I will take the first okay. question. Favorite destination? Oh, it really depends on the day, but I'll say... Like if you were going next weekend. The continent would be Africa, maybe maybe South Africa. Okay. Oh, let me get a little bit more specific with you. Without kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely Africa. <laughs> to eat... Egypt up north, or I would go to Johannesburg. Love it. God, yeah, because that's a tough one to lug kids along with that. Okay, dying to visit, Pavia. So many places. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to give the same answer. Africa. I've been nowhere in Africa. I've been to Morocco many, many, many times, but it's not the same. I've been dying to go to Botswana. I've been dying to go to Ethiopia, Namibia. I'm so under-traveled all throughout Africa. And the South Island of New Zealand because I've been to the North Island, but I know it's not as good. Oh. And um, <laughs> the fjords of Norway. Really, oh, really want to go to the fjords oh, of God, Norway. I'm and I'm really desperate to go to Tierra del Fuego, Ushuaia, Patagonia, that part. So the the extremes of yeah. the planet. Mm. Me too. I've been saying that recently, yeah. how I have this like urge to go to like some extreme areas. Like I want yeah. remote and extreme. Those I want like- The yes. Atacama Desert. Yeah, I want like desert. space. Or yes, Mars. <laughs> I want desert, Mars, or like minus 50 degrees. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, Geraldine, bizarre travel ritual? I uh, obsessively clean my house before I go on a trip and it doesn't matter if I'm going away for a day or a week or a month. I organize, clean, vacuum my way out the door. I don't want to have to think about anything. When you come back. When I come back. So it's not like if you don't come back, your house is clean. It's not like the clean underwear thing. (laughs) Like if you get into it. Well, I guess that too. Maybe that's like some macabre thing that's underneath it. I'm like, if I die, people won't think I'm a slob. (laughs) Um, By the way, I have the same bizarre travel ritual. You do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. My house has to be spotless. And spotless also, um, I have a problem with paper. They just gather and magazines pile up for Mm -hmm. years and years. Um, I will decide that that stack of receipts that I have not processed for several months, the night before a trip, for four days is when I have to go through all that stuff. Okay, well, oh, I just did a gesture that was like, throw it away. it away. No, 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 oh, no, I like no. That. I can't I, I can't throw anything away until it's been processed and, e- and dealt with, which is why I have 18,422 <laughs> emails in my inbox. <laughs> You're supposed to touch paper once. That's like the whole like simplification thing. You I touch know. paper once. Uh, I touch it, it once. It comes across yes. your desk, you either file it or throw it away. Yeah, I just throw it away. Uh, In-flight <laughs> <laughs> relaxation regimen. I have a few. Well, 
it's really changed quite a bit now that I have children. There's no in-flight relaxation <laughs> with children, ding, 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 except ding, ding. maybe I can get someone to that. hold one of them while I use the, the tiny bathroom for five minutes. That and sounds super relaxing. Lather up extra, with extra soap, maybe twice. But used to be, or if I'm flying alone, I will use that time to go through all of my old New Yorkers, which have been mm-hmm. mysteriously growing at like an exponential up. rate. I don't know how. They're I'm like mushrooms. Always reading them. <laughs> but I, I, I almost never watch movies on a plane because I use all that time to read and read from things that yeah. are like real in my hand, not not the phone, not the computer. Yeah, well, now you could force your kids to watch the movies and that allows you. Which is amazing. This is like a whole new, is, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of great. That helps. Pavia, what is always in your carry-on? Notebooks, pens, moisturizer. Um, notebooks, pen, moisturizer, my phone. Way too many magazines that I don't get to read. There was one, there were a couple of magazines. I think they've crossed oceans like two dozen times. <laughs> At some point, I'm, and I actually turned to my husband and was like, I will not go back into the United States with this magazine still in my possession. So... And way too many snacks. I will often pack enough food to feed a small village when I'm this is getting true. on a plane. This is true. I've, been, I've seen it in action. I've eaten those snacks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I get snack panic too. Yeah, there, is, there is something really nice about shedding. Yes. Like I love yeah. packing a bunch of things and then, and then, then leaving without them. them. Yes. Yes. But I'll do this when I go to dad's for the weekend. Yeah. I'll do this when I go to my dad's for the weekend. I'll have all this stuff. I'll be like, I'm going to leave this behind. That's what I did um, when I was traveling by myself in Southeast Asia with a lot of books, like books in my backpack that were way... And I would just... And like clothing too, I would just... Yeah, you leave Different people that I meet. It's like literally just like constantly recycling your backpack. That was... I tried to do that when we were um, in Thailand on our honeymoon. I Especially because we had started in a colder climate and then worked towards the beach. And so there were like layers that I had bought specifically for the trip that mm. didn't really care about. And they were kind of weighing me down. I was like, I'm never going to wear this. So I tried twice to leave them in the hotel rooms and we got chased out by the front oh, desk. They're like, you forgot you your stuff. That's like, so sweet. <laughs> You're like, that's your tip. <laughs> Bridget Jones' diary book is yours <laughs> right. to keep. Um, okay, uh, concierge or DIY? I think I know the answer to this. A little bit of both more DIY than concierge. But some places... Absolutely, concierge is the way to go. There's some trips that you just got to leave it to the people who are in it deep. Yeah, yeah, that they know it. Yeah. The other thing that, so I've changed my mind about this since we started to work with travel advisors. It's really, it's sometimes really nice to have an expert just guide you around and take you on a tour. And so I was in Rome, a city that I know really well. And my friend Annie has a company called Scooter Roma. This is her company. She will pick you up at your hotel and take you on Vespa tours around Rome. Oh, Love that. It's amazing. She also- So just her, you just get on the back of her bike? You just get on the back of her bike. And it doesn't need to be just you. I mean, this was just Annie and me, but my friends, James and Ingrid and their son did this last weekend. And the kid, Jackson, was kind of anxious about getting on the Vespa. And the moment he got on was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And what was nice was she's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I was kind of like, you know what? Just show me stuff. And it was really nice to just not feel like I have to control every moment of this experience and give in to an expert saying, here's what I can take you around. And I saw stuff that, again, I've been going to Rome since I was born, had never seen these things before. 
that was nice. Yeah. Cool. So if you can find an expert who's really good and who understands your tastes yeah, and knows the important. area that they're in, give into it. Give into it because then you really do get to be on a vacation. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. I'm happy to hand over the keys. Yeah. I'm like planning is just such a such a can be energy a, can and be time suck. Yeah. yeah. And it's just fun to write a Vespa too. Scooterama or Scooteroma? Scooter Roma. Roma. Oh, like it's Rome. Rome. Yeah. That's adorable. Yeah. yeah. And I love a Vespa. See it all or take it easy. See it all, but in an easy <laughs> format. <laughs> Keep stay chill with it. I mean, I do. I, I do like what you were saying, Zoe, about like going deep in a place. Like I'm very happy like being in a neighborhood and pretending like I'm a local and seeing how far I can get away with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I try not to open my mouth too much. And I'm like, maybe they'll <laughs> think I'm Portuguese or whatever. Um, but I am still trying to like get as much under my, my mm-hmm. fingers as I can. Yeah. Um, drive or be driven? Drive. Uh, I am everywhere. I love driving. Can you drive on the left driving. side of the road? Totally. I can drive a stick on the left side of the road. What? Girl. Oh, totally. Come on. It isn't that hard. I took myself on this epic road trip through New South Wales <gasps> in Australia a couple of years ago. And a lot of it was driving. And I mean crazy drives yeah, where yeah. the woman at the park would be like, I'm sorry, you're sleeping where tonight? No, you're not. And I'm like, watch me get there. <laughs> and I had little accident with the kangaroo, notwithstanding. <gasps> no. Totally. Everybody lived to tell about it. Okay, the kangaroo too? The kangaroo was like, it wasn't me. I didn't hit you. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay. No way. I was like, you little shit. Wait, where did where you come you? from? Wait, where were They're you? They're big. There was a kangaroo? They're not even little. In Australia. Oh, you're Australia. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, so I, I absolutely love driving. So drive. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Drive. I can drive a stick, but never ventured on the other side yeah, of the road. I don't think the other side of the it road. Is, it, you guys, there is nothing hard about it. It's just for me driving on on the left side already. Like my instincts are not totally honed. Like my first reaction is still to look the wrong direction first. So mm-hmm. add a stick shift to that. I don't test myself. <laughs> okay. But luckily, I won't be allowed to drive on that trip anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, travel hero. I have many travel heroes. Actually, so many that there is a spread in the book about them, and. I guess I would start with, I mean, of course, there's classics like Hemingway who seem to be everywhere. Mm. I once drinking in all those places and had all those great stories about it. But even like Zora Neale Hurston and Maya Angelou who are known for one thing, but had these past lives where they had these journalistic endeavors in really cool places like Egypt or covering the entire South in in a road trip and then creating a book for African Americans to travel that way. I mean, just really, I love people who are excelling in one one genre, but then do these like really cool things on the side that have to do with travel. Mm. James Baldwin in Paris, like that's really cool. I mean, you guys are my travel heroes, by the way. Oh, (laughs) that's nice of you to say. But you know, one of the things, Gerilyn's right. I mean, one of the things that makes Fathom really special, I think, is um, if I'm allowed to say that, Um, but analytically and critically. It's not that we just have travel writers writing about places. Like we will get a designer who goes to Bangkok three times a year to write about what's cool in Bangkok. Like we seek out people who are interesting travelers and say, tell us your stuff. It's not just people who are professional travelers because that's a really different sensibility Mm -hmm. and it's a different style. We really like nothing more than we'll be someplace, we'll meet a cool person and then we'll say, okay, you tell us about this. Mm -hmm. One of the stories that I love, Gabriella Camara, 
is that her name? She's the chef of Contramar, which is oh, yeah. one of the best restaurants in the world. It's in Mexico, Mexico City. City. It is so good. Saturday afternoon there is like one of those happy places on earth, no matter when you walk in. She also, oh my God, she has a restaurant in San Francisco. I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of it. That is so crazy good. Anyway, she wrote a story for us about her favorite places to eat and her favorite galleries in Mexico City because she is a restaurateur who got there from being an artist. Mm-hmm. You know what? I want her guide. Like I, I want it. She is an absolute expert in this stuff. This is where she lives. That's whose guide I want to Mexico City. And mm-hmm. that's what we have on mm-hmm. Fathom. And that's really nice. We also have Berta Gonzalez's guide to where to go drinking. Mm-hmm. She's the um, CEO of Casa Dragones. Casa Dragones. Um, yes. But these are the this is what we've done at Fathom is reach out to people who are our travel heroes, who we think are just really cool and say, tell us the cool shit you just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. Now I'm going to cherry pick. Do it. Okay. Favorite place to visit in the U.S.? New Orleans. I knew she was going to say that. I was New just Orleans, there. I, totally I love that place so much. Um, but also anything on the the West Coast, like Northern California down to Big Sur. Mm-hmm. Incredible. How about you, Pavia? I was I was going to throw props to the Pacific Northwest. Absolutely. And also the area north of San Francisco is so crazy beautiful. Oh, big sky country though. Also. Big fan of Utah. I was just going to say, big I fan of like Utah. Moab Amazing. and like that area. You like can keep Moab, but I will take <laughs> Zion. I will take Scenic Route 12. I love this part of the world. That's so yeah. That is really... Lovely also. You know where I've never been that I really do want to go to is the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. Oh, I've been there. The UP? Yeah. Well, I'm camping, camping up there. Did you? A road trip, nice. yeah, through Canada. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's nice. The North Woods there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have some curds and some, got for some moose. <laughs> Don't you know? Um, <laughs> let's see. Here's one. Uh, I always bring home. I always bring home. Interesting snacks. <laughs> some snacks. Snacks. For my bag. Bars of chocolate. For Go sure. I just salt. brought me some chocolate. I feel like salt, chocolate, soap, like things that travel well that I don't have to worry about them being a liquid. That's kind of where, where my head goes. Records. My husband is an obsessive record collector. So oh boy. we we do not go anywhere in the world without going to at least one. How do you probably feel? How multiple. do you feel about this? It's it's a contentious. I've actually let it go. I've <laughs> let it go because he has a studio and he has an, an an office, and then we have one small area in our house where the records can come in as long as some records go out. Yeah, I gotta I'm, I'm say, I'm sensing an undertone of surrender there. Yeah, I, I, sort of, I, I gotta say, she has to surrender. This is what her husband sound, does. The soundtracks are always oh. really nice. They're and going to record stores is actually a really cool way to learn about totally like local yeah. culture good yeah. stuff that's going on because yeah. people there are really cool and yeah. then you find out about like you'll good, find out about a live show yeah, yeah. so yeah. It's, it's actually pretty fun. pretty great but th- we will always you're find not leaving a, a destination without we'll a, record. Always find a record should we go right to the dinner party yeah yeah Let's okay go right to the dinner party obvious question the last I guess we'll wrap it up with yeah. this one fantasy dinner party where are you what are you eating and who is invited oh and obviously what are you drinking right. Are we throwing the dinner party together? together? Yeah, let's see how you guys can compromise. Ooh, we're going to invite different people. Yeah. That's okay. It's a big table. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so. We put a leaf in it. I have like three leaves. What are we talking about? <laughs> um, 
So I'm torn whether the setting is a certain restaurant on the Amalfi Coast over the water or kind of like a more urban environment with a big, long table and candlelight everywhere and just something that a dinner that begins at eight at night and ends at 8 a.m. So one of those two settings. So it's either like a daytime in Italy or... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll go to those parties. Okay. That sounds good. So why don't you start with who we're inviting to the party then? Well, so I feel like I would want to invite someone like who's part of the land, the sea, the air. Do you see how smart she is? Look at, look at, look at how her brain works. I know. Right. Like, I'm thinking, well, you know, I would want to invite Jane Goodall. Of course. She's obsessed with I'm, Jane I Goodall. Love I do love me. I think she might be my spirit animal. She's amazing. Yeah. Which means though that we're going to have to have some plant-based options at dinner because she's a vegetarian. That's okay. You pretend to be a vegetarian um, too. Every it's, so a often. Yeah. Party, it's a fantasy dinner party. So, no. Everyone can, we can eat get what some they want. faux grill of me. It's yeah. fine. And then I'll say for, for space, like maybe like Mae Jemison or Chris Hadley, like an astronaut who's also a good raconteur, like someone who could tell a story but has seen shit no one else sees. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's Earth and space. Who yeah. are you getting for water? Is it living or dead? Living or dead. Yeah. So I feel like we could go either that that woman. That her name's escaping me. Who sw- has swum like every oh, channel? Oh, like, yes. right. yeah. she's amazing. Or Shackleton. Shackleton's incredible. Yeah, he would be great. He'd he would be commandeer great. that dinner party in a good way too. I know. He yeah. could do the seating arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be good. So I'm going to add to this dinner party. Uh-huh. So. Um, Cleopatra. Oprah. Just say Oprah. No, oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't have Oprah. I'd want Cleopatra. It's kind of like the Oprah of her day. Okay, why no. do you want Cleopatra? Because she was a real badass. And so I'm just interested in how she did it. How did she, and a similar person, I don't know why this is on my mind today, badass ladies from history. I kind of, even though I'd also spend a little bit of time taking her out back and saying, you really should have been a nicer lady, is Catherine de' Medici. <clears throat> what about her? Why do you like her? Just, you know, she left Italy. She went to France. She brought all these nice things with her. She also, again, it's a period of history that I've always been fascinated by. She was not entirely a totally nice lady. And I just want to hear some of her stories. The other people, another woman who I am inviting, I don't know if she'd be nice or not, but I really want to hang out with her is Diana Vreeland. I love that oh, we're yeah, really, <clears throat> do you think that guys sort of talk about their heroes and they're like, but he wasn't that nice. <laughs> right. Well, like, you know, like Steve nice. Jobs. Listen, but he wasn't you know so what nice. though? But the point is like, you want good storytellers yes. at you want nice party. people you at want your dinner nice party. Story. So yeah. I'd also want Marco Polo at the dinner table. Hmm. And um, there's this guy called H.V. Morton, who is this unbelievable storyteller. He wrote a book called A Traveler in Italy. And then he did A Traveler in Rome, A Traveler in Southern Italy. His biography is fascinating because he was popularized with discovering um, King Tutankhamun's tomb. He didn't discover it. He popularized it, which okay. makes me think he was just some great huckster. Yeah. Uh, He's a marketer. Marketer. Mm-hmm. His book about Italy is so hilarious and funny and smart. He essentially went to Italy in the 1920s and 30s or whenever it was with a trunk full of history books and then would write about what happened in this 500-year-old church in Florence as if it had happened last week. And it is way more interesting mm, really than good. any guidebook okay. that it says where to go to eat gelato. Right. It's like, no, no, this is what happened in this church 
To Catherine de' Medici, probably. Anyway, <laughs> hi. I just like um, saying de' Medici. All right, what are we eating? Besides the plant base for Jane Goodall. Um, we are eating so much stuff. We are going to start with oysters. Yeah. We're starting with oysters that we're bringing from the Isle of Jersey. And then you it's like- It's really going to be like a feast, I it's think. It's a feast. We're also going to bring oysters from Cochon in- I would like some things to be New family Orleans. style. I feel like that would so really help. So much family yeah. style yeah. stuff. Yeah. But so much family, there's building. just going to be just giant platters of oysters everywhere. Like a baguette and everyone breaks a piece and hands it to them. So person. much runny French cheese. So much runny French cheese. Yes. It's going to be yeah. so stinky at that part of the meal. I just welled up <laughs> a little bit. My eyes, I got teary. You're going to have the pasta from the place in the Amalfi Coast. Well- yeah, we'll have a ton of pasta. Yeah. We'll sure. have a ton of pasta, but we'll also have like tagliatella drenched in truffles. And we will also have, uh, oh God, I really like a good plate of gnocchi. Yeah. We got a big team in the kitchen cooking a lot of yeah. food, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is this is a meal. This is just ice, a crazy feast. Okay, what, feast. Are crazy what are you drinking? Feast. What are you drinking with all this pasta? We haven't even gotten to the oysters. proteins yet. Oh, Jesus. I don't know, but I, I thought we were having faux, faux gorilla. <laughs> <gasps> oh my gosh, did you die? No, I'm having some nice, I'm having good steak. And what, did, what's your favorite cut of steak? Picanha. I've never heard I've of I've never it. heard of that either. So Picanha is this, I just, it's true. Um, I also like a good porterhouse. Uh, Picanha is a cut that they do in Brazil. Oh. That's okay. crazy. And you can ask your butcher here to cut you What part picanha. of a cow is that? I don't know. That's the picanha How does it part? The yummy to a porterhouse. Part. So it's a it's thinner. Okay. So it's not it isn't a bone in piece of meat, um, and it's often served sort of. I'm making the slicing motion. It's often served sort right. of like grilled. on the bias or something. Yeah. Listen, thank you so much for having us here. It's been um, we love you guys. We love you guys too. Yes, and nice. I think it'd be fun to travel together. We need to make that happen. We can make that happen. Yeah. yeah. Are any of your children old enough to babysit the other children? I got two and four. Yeah, nope. They just turned two and four. We'll but I will say the, the two-year-old, she's pretty much raising herself at this point. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, Little beasts. Anyway. All right, ladies. Well, until next time. Thank, thank you, you so much. Bye, Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.